Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, October 1st. Rarely do we as tennis fans get to enjoy a major as the season switch from summer to fall, but that's exactly what we get to do in this year, 2020, the French Open taking place right now. And of course, we have been treated to so much fun action through the first five days. Joining me to recap where we are at through round number two of this event as he has throughout the first five days of action. You, of course, know him as our crack rackets do everything. The former Denison men's tennis great, the only undefeated tennis coach in Missouri high school history, and of course, the forefather of the forehand slice, James Foster McDonald. Jamie, how are you doing after day five? Not too bad. I'm a bit short-winded, not only because of the exciting tennis, but also right before we recorded, I went out and played a little bit myself. Just got added onto a USTA roster, so got to get the chops back. Got to get back in shape, so trying to do it all right now. How do the slices look? Whose performance through these first five days would you most equate your performance to on the court today? Hmm. Sarah Arani, I had 14 double falls. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I don't know. I, look, the slice felt pretty good. Honestly, you know, I, I pushed myself to, to make myself hit through the forehand a little more. So, um, listen, I'm always trying to improve, okay? I'm not done as a player, right? I might be washed up, but I'm not done. I know that doesn't make any sense, but it feels okay to say that. Even though, look, I know my career's over and it's sad, but uh, listen, I got to try to improve. So, the forehand slices were great. We'll just leave it at that. No, that's amazing to hear. And, you know, I will say this. uh, I would have probably watched your session of tennis today because not the most inspiring matches in Paris over the course of the day. Now, we did get a couple of fun upsets. And, of course, we'll talk about all of the day's action now. Like yesterday's podcast, we're not going to do any breakdowns. We'll talk about the women's upsets, the men's upsets again. Sort of talk about where we're at after two rounds of play. We'll, of course, run through the rest of the day's results, preview day six's matches. But, you know, so you gave me a little bit of grief at the end of yesterday's pod, Jamie, when I said the women's match is going to be really fun. The men's matches, you know, not the most exciting day five of play. I hate to say it, but that is kind of how it played out. Outside of maybe an upset here or there, it was a pretty standard day of Grand Slam tennis. I mean, fair enough, I guess. There were some pretty there were some pretty tight five setters on the men's side that I would say pull it at least equal with the women's. But regardless, um, you know, see it how you will. Yeah, uh, again, it, uh, still a fun day of tennis. I mean, sure. plenty for us to talk about, but compared to some of the other days, right, it didn't have that thrill. I guess, you know, Shapovalov versus Carbeas Benya, you did get the five sets. You did get a little bit of bonus time, but, you know, that just was a little bit of a sloppy match. You look at some of these other matches that were played throughout the day. I mean, certainly on the women's side, we did see some seeds go down, but, you know, a continuing theme in uh, these first five days of this major, the seeds that we did did see lose, you know, not the most shocking of events. And in fact, we probably, I think across the board between you and I, we predicted all three of today's women's upsets. So that's where we want to start today's breakdown of uh, all the action. Of course, the reason we're able to do this day in, day out here on the Mini Break Podcast because of the support we get from our sponsors over at Midwest Sports and Aerobar. For any of your tennis equipment needs, be sure to turn to our friends at Midwest Sports. Go to MidwestSports.com. You use our promo 
promo code CR15. Not only will you get 15% off your order, not only will you get free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75, but of course, best of all, you're going to get a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls Midwest Sports, bringing Midwest values to tennis equipment. Now, do I know what that means? No, not exactly, but I promise it's something you're going to be interested in, so be sure to go to MidwestSports.com. Use that promo code CR15 also, of course, to make sure your nutrition is where you want it to be before you get back on the court so that you are not huffing and puffing like Jamie McDonald certainly was today somewhere in Missouri. Be sure to go to our friends at Aerobar, the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business. More potassium than a banana, delicious cinnamon, honey oat, and chocolate chip flavors. You use our promo code CR, or Cracked15, excuse me, you'll get 15% your off your order there as well. Jamie, how was the huffing and puffing? How are your lungs out there right now? Well, listen, as you know, I'm not used to actually, you know, having to attack and hit the ball with a purpose <laughs> all the time. And so doing that for even four shots, I was gassed out there. Um, it was a bit embarrassing. Again, I know that I'm washed up. I know that I'm out of shape. But man, it really hits you when you have a, like a seven ball rally and you're just, you know, bent over and, and just keeled over at the back of the fence and having to take an extra 30 seconds to serve. So yeah, I probably could have used some arrow bars and, and, and things of that nature. Probably some basic hydration if we're being honest prior to playing too. Uh, but nonetheless, the arrow bars would have been key. That's, that's for sure. Yeah, well, to not be Jamie McDonald, turn to our friends at Aerobar. Use that promo code CRACKED15. Get 15% off, and of course, let them know that we sent you there. But with that in mind, let's get into our Day 5 action. And the place I wanted to start again with the upsets we saw on the women's side because, Jamie, you look at it now, and I've got some stats for you before we get into any individual matches on the day. Through Round 2 of this event, 19 seeds have been eliminated from play, and obviously, Obviously, that sounds like a high amount, right? And we knew there was parity in the women's game, and there have been multiple occasions, I'll get to that in a second, where there were some 17, 18 seed exits. But you look at this, since the 32 seed format was introduced, and this comes from at Kfish underscore WTA, since the 32 seed format was introduced at the 2001 Wimbledon, there have been 77 Grand Slams, including this French Open. This is the fewest amount of seeds to advance to the third round of a Grand Slam ever during that time period. And, you know, why I want to start with that fact uh, hanging over the conversation, Jamie, is because there have been 19 upsets of seeds. You know, the only one on the women's side that really jumps out to me was probably Vika Azarenka losing to Shmadova yesterday. But outside of that, like, The other 18, they all make sense to me. And I don't know what that says about the women's game right now, but that definitely says something, right? Yeah, again, this will, we might get into this conversation later, but this is why I'm so scared to put real money down um, on bets (laughs) on the WTA side, because unless it's 2015 or 2014 and you're betting on Serena, right? You know, there's there's no safety in anything. So it is interesting. Um, You you mentioned Azarenka, obviously the biggest shocker there. There are some other names that you could still put in there, maybe a Conteve. As somebody surprised to be on that list, but no, it's a lot of seeds to go out. That's that's one thing for sure. Yeah, but you know, even Annette Conteve, like she lost to Caroline Garcia, right? Sure. That was basically a seed on seed crime. And so, even though yes, an upset by form, not something that shocks us by any means. And you know, even like Yvonne Kerber, that wasn't one that jumped out, but was one uh, you know I had circled. So it's just another young player beating someone who hasn't played that many matches of later. You know, Coco Goff beating Joe Conta. I think we all understand that. Yes, yeah, Serena withdrawing, that's kind of out of her hands, but. I, I, 
it's the parody right now. We keep in, we keep stressing the parody, and I just don't think a stat could better epitomize that fact. The fact that player ranked number sixty five right now in the women's game really could beat anyone outside of the top ten on any given day. Uh, that's you know this stat, the fact that nineteen seeds have lost, speak to that about as well as anything could. Yeah, look, it's it's not surprising too, and and you think about it. Look, there's a lot of people on the WTA, at least in the top ten. You know. Some of the higher seeds, your Osaka, potentially your Ash Barty, your people who would be at the top. And so maybe that knocks out a few of these. You're 28, you're 31, you're 32, you're 29, who we've all seen go out. Steven, Stritzova, Lynette, and Kuznetsova. Um, but regardless, the seeds would be falling. So at this point, it doesn't really matter, right? If it's 19, if it's 17, if it's 21, to me, it's just complete mayhem on the on the women's side at this point. Yeah. And that's absolutely what adds to so much of the fun. And in fact, we saw three upsets on day five. Again, two of them we called coming. And you will argue you called the third one, but I think we can agree at a minimum we knew it was going to be a battle. That's the match I want to start with. Yelena Ostapenko, 6-4, over number two seeded Karolina Pliskova. Now, Pliskova threw us off the scent, of course, by making the finals in Rome. But anyone who watched Yelena Ostapenko just annihilate. That's the best word I can come up with. Madison Brangle in round one. You knew this was going to be a battle today. And Jamie, six four six two. what this tells me, you look at her section of the draw now, the way things that op- have opened up, Yelena Ostapenko needs to be taken seriously in the discussion of people who are not just going to make a run, but who could legitimately win this 2020 French Open. Yeah, I think that's fair. Look, this is why I said Ostapenko was my one from this section to move into the second week as an unseated player. Um, I saw this matchup coming. I saw this win from Ostapenko coming. And did I think it was going to be this routine? Probably not. Uh, But I just, again, I didn't have any confidence in the Pliskova game, particularly matching up against somebody like Ostapenko, somebody whose game, you know, matches up really well against Pliskova on these courts and also somebody who's won the tournament, right? So with that experience, with the level we've seen from her, absolutely in the contender category at this point. Yeah, I mean, she was just so good today. You look across the board, the things she was able to do to uh, Karolina Pliskova. First of all, you you just can't give Yelena Ostapenko a clean look at a return because with her ground stroke, she's just going to rip into it. And in this match, you know, for Ostapenko, she just had so much success on really both Pliskova's first and second serves. You look throughout the course of this match. I mean, for Ostapenko, she's winning. Uh, just, I, I'm waiting for these stats to load. I apologize. I'm trying to give you a firm number sometimes you know my internet doesn't want to agree with me but the point is you watch this match and it's just it was being controlled by Ostapenko here we go Pliskova in this match 9 of 30 on second serve points I mean she played more second serve points than she did first serve points in this match Jamie she's 18 of 29 on the first serve 9 of 30 on the second serve meanwhile Ostapenko 22 of 30 on her own first serve 13 of 24 on the second this match was just on Ostapenko's turn And I know she is just as capable of losing a match in an hour as she is of winning a match in an hour. And that's certainly something you have to factor in over the course of two weeks. But it's impossible, you know, simply by the eye test, it's impossible to not see Ostapenko today, you know, hit 27 winners against 19 unforced errors, just dominate this match the way she did and not think, yeah, that's a player who, you know, uh, can win this major. And then you throw in the fact she's won a French Open before. It's just like all of the stars are aligning right now yeah there's no reason to to not see her as a threat and and this match 
does nothing except confirm that fact for me. So, you know, she continues to move through the DAW and obviously taking out the two seed, it's going to open up some things for her. But realistically, a player like this, especially moving through as a dangerous non-seed, it doesn't really matter what the number next to their name is, right? Especially once you get to this, you know, stage in a tournament where you've won it, you're already labeled as a contender and you've taken out number two seed. It doesn't matter at this point. It does not matter at all. So if she continues to play at this level, once again, yeah, I, I see no reason why she's not going to win this whole thing, except for maybe a Simona Halep who can simply outgrind her. Yeah, and look, for Carolina Pliskova, nine winners against 24 unfor- uh, 25 unforced errors. We've talked about this before. Uh, on a day where uh, the match was on Ostapenko's terms, there was just no plan B. There was no way to dig herself out of, you know, tough second-serve positions. She got a Pliskova stretch. Ostapenko got Pliskova stretched. Then it was 1-2 tennis, and Ostapenko was simply too good in this match. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you look at that bottom half of the draw now, Jamie, where Yelena Ostapenko resides. I mean, she's knocked out the number two seed that was really you know the big question is could she get through uh Carolina Pliskova and now that she has the draw has really opened up nicely for her and so yeah it's just a question of again it it can she continue to keep this level? Because if she can, uh, we all know what she's capable of, and it's certainly winning Grand Slams as she's done it before. But she wasn't the only player to pull off an upset on the day, and honestly, that was probably the most surprising upset of the day that she pulled that off in straight sets. The other two winners, Fiona Farrow, 6-3-4-6-6-2 over Elena Rybakina, uh, Paula Badosa-Gibert, uh, 6-4-4-6-6-2 win over Sloan Stevens. Those were just two bad battles yeah they were two battles uh, i mean we'll start with sloan really quick because I, I truthfully don't have that much to say on this match other than a bit unfortunate for sloan stevens right she's going up against somebody who's clearly very comfortable on this surface um you know you see sloan win that second set and you hope that the champion mentality is going to kick in here and that she can get things squared away in the third but seeing her lose that third six two was was really the disappointment not the fact that she dropped the first set to anybody and that that part didn't really concern me just unfortunate that she wasn't able to capitalize on her momentum coming out of that second set on the pharaoh side you're right this one with her and rabakina just an absolute grind and look this is this is what you want right this is what you want in a french open matchup you know pharaoh nearly dead even in her winner to unforced air ratio she can just go out there and be an absolute she's a nightmare for anybody to play at this point and she proves it with the win over the 14th seed in this one just so difficult for Rubakina to really get anything going here and now you know pharaoh taking out a seed she's got a chance in this section of her draw yeah i mean well i'll start with fiona Farrow as well um you know uh, watching her play today, and she won the event in Palermo at the start of August, and the way she did that, I believe she beat Conteve in the finals. I think she might have even beaten Mertens in the first round or early on in the event, but she played really well during it, and it's just everything you want out of your modern player. She turns defense into offense, and I talk a lot about Marie Buzkova. I think Fiona Farrow is Marie Buzkova with a little more oomph, a little more pop on the ball, and yeah. watching Farrow play today, what do you think of a cross comparison between her and Tommy Paul? Just their game style. 
styles, their athleticism, the way they take balls early, move forward, and even the mechanics of their swings a little bit, the way the ball jumps off their rackets. I just, I was really impressed with Farrow's game plan. And there are a lot of trades of breaks in this match. Rabakina really could have lost this match in straight sets. And then it seemed like she had momentum at the start of the third before Farrow was able to flip the script. I mean, you know, again, this is this was a really good performance from a Fiona Farrow who has been that good now over these past what I, I she has been that good for that long. Yeah, she's she's look she's looked to be in good form. You mentioned her win in Palermo. That's the last tour level tournament she played prior to the French Open. So obviously she's going to be feeling good about her game. Look, she's playing behind a home crowd, albeit small. She's clearly comfortable on this surface and understands how to get through matches. She's really dangerous, and now she's set up for you know a third round matchup against an unseated Teague where. There's no reason she can't move into the fourth round. So she's got to be feeling really good about her position in the draw at this point. Yeah, I mean, it feels notable that one of, and I think this is correct, yeah, one of uh, Martich, Siegemann, Bedosa, and Ostapenko are going to make uh, the uh, the round of 16, excuse me, and then, yeah, you look in that section, one of Farrow, Teague, Barra, and Kennan are going to make uh, the, the quarterfinal, or excuse me, the round of 16, and uh, the quarterfinal round, excuse me, and like, yeah, I mean, you look at these players, they're all, I mean, Fiona Farrow, Patricia Teague, both players who won titles in the run-up to this French Open, Teague and Istanbul, Farrow in uh, Palermo, sometimes the answers are just staring us in the face, and in this case, it really was, because Fiona Farrow has been that good for a while now, folks, and hopefully people are starting to take notice, because again, I, I have a new rule, if you're 23 years old and you're in the WTA Tour, I'm not picking against you, because you're probably really good, and there are so many really good 23-year-olds right now. Well, that's going to make your aces of the day pretty hard because there's 23-year-olds on the WTA side all over the place. So No, it's that's, why, a, that's <laughs> why I'm just going to start picking them. I'm just not picking against them landmines. ever. Yeah, that's exactly. Fair. Exactly. That's yeah, fair. exactly. But no, I mean, so again, we, we those were the losses on the day. Pliskova, Rabakina, Stevens in terms of the upsets on the women's side. In terms of the upsets on the men's side, uh, three in total. I would argue only one of them was really an upset. And that, of course, is Roberto Carbeas Bay. 7567633686 win over Dennis Shapovalov. Jamie, your thoughts on Shapo? He was served for this match, I believe, up 6 5. Maybe it was 5 4 in the fifth set and obviously got broken, wasn't able to get over the finish line. Your thoughts on his performance? Yeah, he actually served for the match twice at the end of the fifth set, once at 5-4, once at 6-5. Um, so he, he yeah. absolutely had chances to win this and I argue should have won this. You saw Shapovalov go to, it's pretty, pretty funny because you and I both talked about this um, on yesterday's mini break, but the Hawkeye on clay, you saw him. I don't know if he's on Tunis Twitter. He immediately put something out um, because there was a ball that was called in, I believe. And then it showed as out um, on the Hawkeye. And so he, you know, got his hands on a picture of that. I'm sure somebody DM'd it to him. Um, And he posted on there and was like, okay, when are we going to have Hawkeye? This is ridiculous. And, while I sympathize with the guy and the ball may have been out, he had so many chances to win this match. Um, and at the end of the day, you hit 106 on four stairs. So, <laughs> and had the chance to, to win. Like you, Regardless of all of that, you had the chance to serve this match out twice. So, just unfortunate for me to see here. Um, you know, look, I can obviously respect the grinder and the person who's just being a counterpuncher winning a match. That certainly, you know, makes me happy. But at the same time, this is a really disappointing f- result for Shapovalov. Um, and, and just 
ultimately, yeah, I guess good for Carbeas Bania, but realistically, this is all on Dennis's racket, and, and he just folded in the big moments. Yeah, no, there were a couple, again, of tentative uh, volleys during, you know, both when he's serving for the match and then ultimately when he gets broken in that 6-7 game, there's, I think he served and volleyed on, honestly, both 30-all and 30-40, and he had looks at volleys to put away, and he either overcooked it or missed it in the net, and, you know, I think Denis Shapovalov has the athleticism, has the tools to have really nice plan B, plan C, when things go wrong moving forward in his career, but, you know, today, everything just felt a little bit rushed. And especially in the biggest moments, it was coming forward on a ball that maybe if he waited for one more from Carbeas Bena, who obviously is making every extra ball, who's making this match as physical as possible, uh, but who ultimately was able to draw a ton of errors from Shapovalov. And, you know, again, sometimes you just got to make that one extra ball, and that's good enough. And that was the case for Carbeas Bena today. And not to take anything away from him, because, again, Shapovalov hit some incredible forehands, and you're like, how is Carbeas Bena getting to this ball and doing anything with it? And more often than not, he was hitting a ball, you know, again, three-quarters of the way through the court, good depth, good angle, um, and just stayed alive. But, yeah, I just think, you know, more development for Dennis on on plan B, plan C. We know what plan A looks like, and obviously those are the things you want to maximize, but it's the little defensive skills he needs to get a little bit better at. Now, you know, for Carbeas Bania, he is one of 13 players, Jamie, who reached the first, uh, for the first time, reached a third round at a Grand Slam in this men's main draw. That's the most since the 1982 French Open that this many have reached their first round of 32 at this event. You look at the names, Garen, Altmaier, Daniel Gal- Federico Coria, Gaston Sinner, Senego, Gambos, Martinez, Carbeas Bena, Corda, Travaglia, Montiero. I love it. It has been a chaotic first, you know, five days of men's action. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, while there may not have been quite as many seeds that, that have gone out, um, the chaos, there certainly, certainly has not been a shortage, right? Um, you know, we kind of knew that was going to happen when we saw multiple top 10 seeds go down right at the beginning. So, again, a chaotic match um, with Carbeas Bania there, but good for him for getting through 8-6. And I just hope there's not too heavy of a hangover and that he's able to give full effort in the ensuing match as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, 16 seeds knocked out for the men's side so far today. We saw Kevin Anderson knock out the deuce in five sets. Anderson up two sets to love before Lajovic able to force a fifth, but Anderson got his one break of serve he needed, moves through to the third round. Great to see him healthy. Great to see Daniel Altmaier get this win over Jan Leonard Stroop. We saw Altmaier at the Challenger in Ann Arbor to start this year. He looked great there, a guy coming back from injury and working his way back into form and clearly has with a really nice win today over Struff in straight sets. And just to wrap up where we're at with these upsets, Jamie, again, 16 seeds down, but it does feel like until one of Rafa, Djokovic, uh, and team lose, it doesn't really matter what else happens elsewhere. Yeah, that's just sort of the way it is, right? The only exception I would say is Medvedev. I mean, obviously different with it being on clay and not a hard court, but still, regardless, he's earned his, his He's earned his name to be in that category. But yes, without the Giants being out, it's sort of like, okay, well, now it's just a matter of who's going to play those people and lose. Yeah. The difference is if I told you Medvedev lost to Fucevic in the third or fourth round of this tournament, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's to your point, the fact that it happened in the first round, right, that it's still thrown us off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it would still surprise me, um, but yes. 
No, fair, fair. Again, uh, it's just an interest. It's been a really fun uh, streak of results, and so obviously, uh, yeah, that was uh, it, it was a fun day of men's upsets. Now let's flip gears now because while there weren't, uh, you know, we already talked about the women's upsets. There were a couple of other seeds who managed to survive first set losses. Uh, let's start with Sophia Kennan, who now has played back to back three set matches. Of course, her last three matches were those two three set wins here, plus the bagels. You know the Schmears and locks she got from Azarenka in Rome for Ken and Jamie. Are you concerned by her performances? Are you happy she's problem solving? What are you seeing from her? I mean, to me, I think it's a simple, it, not simple, that's the wrong word. To me, it's like, okay, she comes out, loses the first set, and then realistically, the, two, the second two sets are just a different match, and she wins three and two. Um, now, that's a little more dangerous when she starts to play a bit of a more you know formidable opponent who you're not just going to be able to be let back in a match in the same manner. Um, so a bit of concern there. I, I mean... <clears throat> Quite honestly, for me, she did a pretty good job of converting on the break points that she did create for herself. Um, you know, I think for me, with Kennan's game, it, it starts with the serve. Um, I think she's got to get a few more first serves in um, and then just actually convert a bit more on the second serve, right? You know, she wins 47% of her points, which, you know, isn't the worst we've seen. Believe me, we've read some numbers yesterday where on the women's side, it was much, much lower than 47%. But for me and Kennan, she's just got to be able to get some easier points off those service games um, so that she can free herself up and then, you know, be that nightmare on the return side for the opponent that we know she can be. I don't know. I'm not terribly concerned because this wasn't one where the unforced error count was much higher than the winner count and it was just horribly sloppy for me once again she just came out didn't play that well in the first set got beat and then came back and won three and two so not too concerning no, it, there's two ways to look at it. The glass half empty would be she hasn't played well now for a couple of matches in a row. Honestly, didn't play that well in New York either, uh, and that is concerning as a general trend. Now, the glass half full would be she hasn't played well yet, and she's still finding wins, and we all know what Sophia Cannon is capable of when she plays well. She beat Serena here last year, and again, she has had success on clay throughout her young career, so uh, hopefully she's able to find her form. But yeah, again, winning ugly is half the battle at the Grand Slams. She has managed to do that. For the Petra Martic match, and uh, I think listeners by now will know my fascination with Petra Martic. I just don't think you see someone who plays with that sort of variety too often in the modern game. Uh, Kudermatova was just playing outstanding. That was Petra Martic raising her level against a really tricky opponent and just knocking off, or and securing, I should say, a really tricky uh, three-set win. So impressed with Martic's performance. Again, she's the seed now. She's the one with the inside straight to the quarterfinals. And so uh, we'll see. I would love to watch Martich versus Ostapenko. That match could be delightful. Also, that match could get... There will be a uh, there will be some beefing, we'll say, uh, between those two players. But those were the two seeds tested, two three sets. We also saw Layla Fernandez take a six four three six six one win over Polona Herzog, of course, earning us a victory on the GSP Ace of the Day. As we said, that match would go the distance. But you look at the rest of the results on the women's side, Jamie. Straight set wins from Kvitova, Sabalenka, and Muguruza and Jabour. Then Teague, Bara, Zhang, and Collins also joining the winner's circle. Your thoughts on the rest of the day's women's matches? 
Yeah, a little surprised to not see Cornet at least grab a set here. I know that second one ended in a breaker, loses, you know, she lost four and six. So a tight match and, and certainly not one that's just can, to be written off as a, oh, this was a simple, straightforward, straight set win because it was a tight contest. But I, I really did think Cornet was going to be able to cause some more problems for Zhang. So I was expecting at least a split sets, maybe even a win for her. I would say really promising for Muguruza. Um, a three and two win there is pretty big at this stage and sort of speaks to our confidence in her moving through the draw. So I would say that that's a good win for the 11 seed. That was a really good win for the 11 seed. And you know who we haven't spent a word talking about yet, Jamie, on these mini break podcasts? Or honestly, we didn't talk about her in our preview content, uh, podcast either, but two matches in, she's looked good through straight sets. Petra Kvitova who has the sort of firepower where no matter the surface, even if it's playing as slow as these French courts, she can hit any opponent off the court. And that's a really good win, 3-3, three and three, over an informed Jasmine Paulini. Uh, so great win for her. I will continue to stay on the Sabalenka train, I think, or in one of those periods. And we all know it. When she plays well, she can beat anyone. And I think she's playing well right now. So I look forward to seeing her uh, go through the draw. I would also just quickly say, Danielle Collins, good win for you over Clara Tossin, uh, two and three. Collins, when healthy, just continues to prove, you know, she's one of the 50 players who could be considered a top 25 player on the WTA Tour. There are really 50 top 25 players right now. That's half the fun of the uh, women's game. But yeah, really fun uh, way date, uh, the second round has ended, and it should be some really fun third round matches for us moving forward. Let's flip to the men's side now. The two five-set battles were both uh, Anderson and Carbeas Bania wins, but Still a bunch of good matches on the day. Well, actually, no. I'm going to say it. This is where the, I'd say, lack of excitement on day five sorts of manifests itself because a lot of straightforward victories for the men. You know, Djokovic, he dropped five games. Tsitsipas, he dropped seven games. RBA, he dropped six games. I mean, you know, a lot of straight set wins for them. Of course, you know, Andre Rublev pushed to a fourth set but ultimately gets the win over Davidovich Fokina. Hatchinov, really tricky win in four sets over Vesely. Of course, you also had wins on the day from Dimitrov, Garin, Fucevic, Bedene, Galan, and Montiero. Jamie, your thoughts on the way all the men's action played out? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a few guys I think you have to call out for just exceptional performances. Um, and, and I think one for me is PCB, right? Winning a match 3-2-1 and one against a guy who we know can be incredibly dangerous on the clay in Gaido Pea. That's an incredible win, um, even though Paya certainly wasn't playing his best for Karina Busta to go out there and only drop six games. That's exceptional. Um, the other one I would say is Rublev. I know, hey, look, I don't have to talk him up to you. That's just a known <laughs> fact at this point. But for him to bounce back after losing the third and convincingly win the fourth 6-1, really strong. Uh, that, that, just, that just sends a message to the rest of the field. So I really like the way that he closed that match out. The other one, and you mentioned it, and, and so I'll, I'll give you the floor to talk about it, but Galan taking out Sandgren 2-2-3. Two, two, and three. I mean, my goodness, was he playing well today. I swear to God, Jamie, there were times when Daniel Galan, and maybe it was just the tennis Sandgren tennis, but like the ball he hit where it would just sit up into that Galan inside in forehand strike zone. But if this is Daniel Galan, he's the best player in tennis because like the guy just did not make an error. He did not miss a first serve. He, this, if he made the return on the Sandgren uh, service games, he won the point. And it was just a joke. Like anything Sandgren tried, he was there. He absorbed it. He redirected it. He was comfortable moving forward. He was comfortable going down the line. He was comfortable hitting cross courts. 
it was nuts. Like, Galan played so well today. And by the way, credit to him. I think 24 years old, another guy into his first third round of a major. Totally deserved, by the way. But I did expect a little bit more from Tennis Sandgren. But credit to Galan, who just played stunning tennis. Uh, yeah, if I were to go in depth, you know, I'm actually, I think that's a really good result for Lloyd Harris, who lost to Berrettini. And I think that's a good win for Berrettini, as Harris was playing well, made the semifinals at the Challenger in Italy last week before this event, had some momentum on his side. Uh, but for me, the two that stand out, you know, we got a little grief on Twitter. Some guy, I, Paul, I think Sperling was his name or whatever. And again, we love the interaction. So Paul, know that this here comes from a place of love. But he gave us grief, Jamie, on the mini break we did. Or maybe it was the mini breaks Koyak and I did where we just raved about Tsitsipas and Rublev. And he comes back. He's like, you guys are going to have egg on your face when Shapovalov uh, is the person who comes through this quarter. So to you, Paul, whom again, we love the interaction. We really appreciate you listening. We appreciate you reaching out. But to you, I have to say, <laughs> good call by us, Jamie. I love it. Tsitsipas, Rublev look fresh, and they look good. Yeah, they do look good. And uh, listen, there was a bit of danger there, right? They they yeah. came through some dicey matches, but I think now they've sort of firmly put themselves back in the camp of, hey, we're good, right? I was a little worried with these two, Tsitsipas coming out and pretty much smashing all doubts, coming out with a 1-4-2 and two win over a guy in Cuevas who can be incredibly dangerous on the clay. So good stuff from both of them. And yeah, Shapovalov's out. Now, he shouldn't be because he completely <laughs> blew that match. But here we are. And Tsitsipas and Rublev, you know, live to fight another round. No, and again, I hope Paul understands that... <laughs> came from a place of love. Uh, we only poke fun with the people we enjoy. Uh, but yeah, I just, if you have watched Andre Rublev, uh, you're right. I've said enough on him. Rublev good. Tsitsipas good. Men's results today, not that interesting, but still pretty fun. I do, shout out to Fuchovic. You know what's really hard to do? Follow up a top four seeded win with a straight set win. That's exactly what he did over a tricky opponent in Ramos Vinoles. But again, that sets the scene now for day six, the beginning of our third round matches, eight women's matches. Matches, eight men's matches on the day. Of course, I believe we've also got 11 women's doubles, eight men's doubles. And honestly, Jamie, I'm going to start here with our day six preview. We get to play this sometimes whenever Stokowiak is on, but I know I get to throw these at you as well. Good take, bad take, hot take. The best match of the day, uh, Erbeer and Mahout taking on Sock and Pospisil. Yes or no? Good take, bad take, hot take. That's a great match. Honestly, I mean, I think, look, it really depends what you're wanting to watch. I think you could probably put an argument in there for Halep and Isamova. Um, but yeah, that dubs match, that's 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 showtime tennis for anybody who really loves the sport. So you can bet I'll be watching. Yeah, right. That that wasn't a bad take by any stretch no, of the imagination. No, that's, that's a good take. I like that. I will take it. It is rare you give me good takes. So I will absolutely, usually they're in the hot take category. I will take that. But with that well, in mind. Yeah, I mean, but you would also... Yeah. Your hot takes are always ridiculous. You're coming in and you're here, you're like, so Yannick Sinner's actually the favorite to win the French Open, right? <laughs> and then you expect me to say anything that's even slightly respectful. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I didn't say Ostapenko was the favorite for the record. I said she just has to be taken seriously as a contender for those keeping no, track hey, at home. Hey, she's won the thing, so I'm fine with that take. No, even I that's agree. a good but hot one. <laughs> Yeah, that's in the hot category for sure. But all right, give me your sizzling takes on tomorrow's women's matches. 
Mm, sizzling. Uh, I mean, look, for me, I think Halep and Isimova poses an interesting rematch from a match we've seen before. I don't think we're going to see that same major result with an, Inis, uh, an Isimova straight set win because I do think Halep still has what it takes to get through, um, particularly this side of the draw and even all the way across the finish line. But um, that being said, I think it's a really interesting match. Honestly, all of the slate of women's matches for tomorrow is, is great. Caroline Garcia taking on Mertens, I think, has the potential to be a really, really interesting three-setter. Um, I'd say if I'm having to watch two, it's those two for sure on the women's side. Yeah, both great matches, and yeah, you know, both of them. Uh, or I should say uh, Mertens versus Garcia, one of my picks for GSP ace of the day. I have the over two and a half sets in that match. I didn't want to pick a winner. I just think both of those players playing so well right now that it's going to go the distance. You like that? That one, good take, bad take, hot take. Sorry, can you repeat that? There was shit going on. I had to mute. No, that's fine. Um, so hold on, I'm just gonna make a little note. Forty. Yeah, you're good. Just, just what did you yeah. what did you no, ask? And good I good take, just go bad take, answer. hot take. One of my aces of the day is over two and a half sets in that match. Yeah, look again. I got to give you the good take designation there. Um, Let's go. I, I would still expect I realistically there's certainly a world where Mertens wins this thing in a tight first and then carries it into the second you know it's like a six and two match um Mm -hmm. I I can certainly see that happening but I mean look I expect at least one of these sets to go to be very very close and so with that being said there's a big possibility for them to split so no I don't I don't hate the over on two and a half yeah, and I know, I think it was Garcia banged up her leg a little bit at the end of her last match. I know that was a physical three-set battle, but I just think she's a baller right now. I think that's going to be really fun. I think Sviantek, uh versus Bouchard is going to be a really fun match. By the way, this is a fun fact I learned from Ben Rothenberg, uh, and I went on his No Challenges Remaining podcast tonight. So, by the way, any of you listeners interested in hearing more, uh, Ben and I played a really fun game, which he called Hot Sets, which actually is a pretty funny pun, and we're probably going to have to steal that at some point here at Cracked Rackets, but him and I go back and forth, six fun takes, and he informed me, Iga Świątek, the A in Poland, the Polish language, has a, a subtle N to the end of it, and that actually made all of the sense in the world to me, because as someone who comes from Polish descent, the last name Gruskin, Polish, a thousand percent my relatives arrived at Ellis Island, Jamie, and they were like, what's your name? And they were like, Gruskin, and they were like, all right, there's actually an A in the spelling, but we're just going to make that G-R-U-S-K-I-N, because they're like no one understands that otherwise Sviantek should be a S-W-I-N-T-E-K in pronunciation just so we all are clear moving forward but Sviantek versus Bouchard I think that's a really fun match Bouchard playing really well of late uh I just think Iga minus 182 right now which is what her odds are that's too low I know Bouchard's playing great but I think we're watching Iga make the leap she's another one of my picks for ace of the day what do you think yeah, look, not a bad pick at all. And and might I just say, we've now had geography and genealogy with Gruskin. So <laughs> just keep hitting the G's somewhere and, and I'll keep tally, okay? Just wait till I get to my grabs proof, given reflexive. Uh, anyways, that's the geometry side. Of course, yeah, can't wait for that. Uh, but no, I, I no, I don't, I don't hate that pick at all. And I think, I think she is going to end up winning that match. Um, but Bouchard has looked good thus far, so you know, always difficult to bet against her when she's in good form, no doubt. Yeah. No, and Sinyakova Burton's again. That's a really fun match as well. Uh, you look at the men's side, Jamie. Uh, again, there are some pretty good ones actually tomorrow. One big headliner that I know we're about to agree on. But give me the matches you'll be watching most closely. Yeah, I think the first one you got to watch is Zverev and Chechenato. Um, I think Zverev. Wait, what? 
But that was a yeah. joke, right? No, absolutely. Over team rude. Yeah. Okay, yeah. make the case. Now, now I'm now I'm locked in. Look, I mean, team and rude. Obviously, they you know their games speak for themselves. Both of them have asserted themselves as phenomenal clay quarters, but I think there's much more potential for an upset in Chechenato v. Zverev than there is Rude v. Team. Um, Team has just been so rock solid. Zverev has absolutely not been. Um, And so to me, Chechenato has a real chance to win this match, especially because he's gone deep at the French before, so he knows really what it takes. And I I don't know. Look, to me, it's more intriguing that way. I I think that matchup is also better for the, the, the upset matchup is better for Chechenato against Varev than it is for Rude against Team. Because Team does pretty much everything Rude does and then does it better with more power. <laughs> Chechenato has the ways to just make Zverev fall back into that passive Alex Zverev that we know um, and, and then sort of get into his mind from that avenue. So I, I look, if I have to pick one, I'm picking Zverev Chechenato over Team Rude. Yeah. Well, let me just say, having looked at the DraftKings odds, and you can go hear our picks on the GSP Ace of the Day segment every day on the Great Shot Podcast as well as our YouTube channel. Uh, if you look at the odds for the men's matches on day six, the odds were there saying, hey, this is the match we think is going to be the upset is Zverev Chechenato. Zverev right now, I think, minus 265, which literally is the upset zone because they want him to be low enough that you throw him into a parlay, but not so low that you bet on him individually, unless you've got some Boku bucks, in which case then they don't really care. Uh, but they, you know, the odds makers agree with you. And from a matchup perspective, yeah, Chechenato can do a lot of things to make Zverev uncomfortable, but. I just, I, Zverev just played someone who plays funky, who's going to throw in drop shots, who's going to rip balls and do things you don't expect. And I just think he's ready to respond. I think that was his and bad match. Lost. Yeah, but that was the bad one. <laughs> I think he bounces back from this one and plays well. I think he has learned his lesson that I can't do that twice in a row, that I learned what I had to take away from the U.S. Open is, yeah, you get one bad match, but let's try and make it only one, Alex. And so I think he's going to look good. I think with every day of practice he has on this surface, he's going to look better and better uh so i am taking zverev he's in a parlay i have for the ace of the day i have him sinyakova sakari and sinner in a four-person parlay at i think two and a half to one odds uh which feels pretty good but that's I'm not cons- bad I like no that. I, I am concerned about that one i think team rude's gonna be really fun sinego right now an underdog against fritz but barely they're both i think like minus 106 minus 112 that's a pick em. you know martinez portero that's my pick but uh, I really like Sebastian Corda, uh, so you know I'm going to stay away from that one. But yeah, a bunch of really fun matches. Now, before we go today, Jamie, in the theme of odds, in the themes of DraftKings Ace of the Day, I know you have some fun props that you looked up that you want to share with both me and the listeners. Let's do that before we wrap. Give me the the wagers, the you know whatever it may be that you find most interesting heading into day six. Yeah, there's a lot of them, and, and some of them touch on matches that you know we haven't even discussed or previewed yet. So I, I think I read a few of these off to you, um, but we'll, we'll go with some other ones because I think there are some ones that are intriguing. So one of the Casper Rude, Coria, and Chechenato all to win at least one set plus 350. Just to win one set? Mm-hmm. Because Coria plays center? Mm-hmm. So that's the tough one. That's where they're going to get you. Because the other two I love. You could lock those in for me right now, but... You think Rude's not going to lose in straights? I just think he's really good. 
Like, I, I, I don't know how anyone can beat him three sets in a row on clay. That's how successful he is on the surface. And I know Dami plays really well, but Rude's forehand to that team backhand is going to produce some shank errors. Rude just hits such a heavy ball. Team wants to take such a big swing at that one-hander. That's the one that would concern the one that could, would concern me the most is Sinner because again the way Sinner treated Benjamin Bonzi it was like get off the court man like I'm yep. ready to move to the next round and I just think he's on a mission. Yep. No, I think that's fair. All right, I got another fun one for you too here. This one this one's a little dicey, um okay. but Garcia, Anisimova, Burtons, all of them together once again to at least win one set. What do you think at plus 700? I think Burtons is the one who screws you. Yeah. I know. Am I right? I, I, like, that's that's the scary that's the scary part too. I think right? I think it's absolutely on Burton's, especially given the physical condition we saw her in. Sarah Arani might say it's all fake, but given the condition <laughs> we saw her in at the end of the last round for her, I, I just don't have a lot of confidence. Yeah, I, it, I, you're automatically penalized by half if you left the court on the wheelchair. And again, no, no, that's, <laughs> that's just that, true. That's not being rude to her. It's just like, look, let's be realistic incredible effort for you in your last match. It's going to be really freaking hard to replicate that in the next one. So, uh, and Sinyakova is playing sweet. She, as I mentioned, she's in a parlay of mine. I think she's going to win that match. I think that's the one that slips you up. I think Anisimova is playing awesome right now. And if I wasn't so sure Simona Halep was going to win this French Open, she may be my upset pick on the day. It's just Halep so good. But again, two for two on these props, Jamie. I like both of them. Hit me with another one. All right, uh, last one. Here it is. I, I know this one might be a little sketchy given what we've seen or given what we've talked about with Team and Rude for you, but at plus 500, we've got Team, Nadal, Halep, and Svitolina all to win in straights. You staying away? Say the odds again for me. Plus 500. Uh, if that was plus... Uh, I think Svitolina's the one that screws you. She's a stay away really? from me because with all due respect to Svitolina, who has played really well, although she dropped that six-love set in her last match to Zara Zua, who has been playing great of late, but still... If you get bageled, do I really want to bet on you to win your next match in straight sets? But, you know, I have her as a stay away because Alexandrova... I, I, I talk about Alexandrova all the time, right? And this gets to your OVA theory. I'm just I'm not willing to bet against her. She's too match tough right now. She makes too many extra balls. She's she's not gonna be able to hit Svinalina off the court, which is ultimately what you really need to do to beat her. But if you're telling me that match goes three sets, I wouldn't blink an eye. I'd be like, Yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah. I don't know. Just had to throw some funny ones at you. I'm gonna spend no. arguably way too much time late tonight trying to figure these out and what I wanna put money so- on, but yeah. In case he's listening to this, super producer Daniel Westoff, whom I love dearly, that is why it takes me so long to come up with these picks every day for the GSP Ace of the Day, because it's like, ooh, I like this combo. Ooh, I like this combo. Like, again, the combination I have right now, again, tell, you just tell me, good idea, bad idea. Sfinner, Sinner and Zverev parlayed together, minus 165. Yeah, gee. I, honestly, Zverev scares me more there than Sinner. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fair. Um, so then, Sakari Sinyakova minus 114. I like that one. Yeah, I almost went with that one. I just, I I like Sinner, and then I threw Zverev in there because I always like to have fictional money on it. I would almost Zverev. throw those two, I would almost throw those two WTA with Sinner together. I don't know what sort of odds you get on that one, but I don't mind that parlay. No, that's fun. My other one today, after the six doubles parlay hit today uh, that we recommended hit today, I'm going Pavic Suarez, Cabal Farah, Ayoyama Shibahara, and Goff McNally plus 171 tomorrow for all four of them to win. 
Damn, you're really into the doubles parlay game. I now. know. I, res- I just I respect I it, it, but given that clip and the you know potential fixing, I, you know, are you not scared? <laughs> no, it's not an ace of the day, but I'm just I had to put it on my list, is what I meant because Fair. I just always find them interesting. But yeah, again, I think third rounds of majors, first matches where you're going to have two seeds go face to face. This is when the real fun starts. So of course we look forward to all of that action. We will be back here tomorrow to recap it all. Now I will say uh, we have our crack rackets third ita or second third who knows what it is at this point ita event at butler that starts 8 a.m i will be doing my best to be watching all of the action but jamie mcdonald of course going to have to do some heavy lifting tomorrow and if the time adjustments things don't come out exactly as expected we apologize in advance but just wanted to give you listeners all a heads up about that of course still though we will be following all of the action and if you have missed anything from this first week in france be sure to go check out our website CrackedRackets.com, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. You need those immediate updates. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in day out uh you know we keep them busy here it's not just the tournaments it's not just uh the podcast we've got a bunch of other fun stuff going on right now at cracked rackets as well and of course we are so grateful for our patreon subscribers who support us day in day out make all of it possible if you are interested in doing so please go check out patreon.com slash cracked rackets another shout out has to go out to our friends over at midwest sports and arrow bar go to midwestsports.com use the promo code cr15 go to aerobar.com use the promo code cracked 15 jamie any final thoughts before we wrap today's show i'm gonna have to be doing some heavy lifting on the watching and heavy betting as well so it's i'm gonna be a nervous wreck tomorrow but it's all gonna be fun you want to know why my hair is coming out you want to know why i'm juicing at this point it's because i had money on that murray nishioka match and i haven't recovered since (laughs) yeah you might never recover at this point (laughs) yeah it's the days are few and far between but again i'm juicing now so at least there's a hope but with that in mind again for our wonderful co-host james foster mcdonald our super producers max Fliegner and daniel westoff our friends at midwest sports and aerobar and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin jamie what do we tell the people that's a break and we will see you all tomorrow thanks everyone